Well, I have the great joy of introducing to you our guest speaker. And I feel like it's one of those uh, fun things where I get to do, introduce my good friend to my family, uh, who you haven't met yet, but you're about to. And so that's a thrill for me. Uh, you've heard me talk, some of you, uh, about the pastor's cohort that I'm in. About seven of us that get together three times a year or so. We encourage each other. We're all pastoring churches that are of similar size and similar mission and vision from across the country, really. And we travel around and learn from other leaders and learn from each other. But one of the best things has been the friendships that have developed, and particularly my friendship with Pastor Jason Cusick. Jason loves the Lord. He loves his church. He loves the Word of God. He's a fantastic teacher. And when I heard him uh, give this message, I knew you, our church, needed to hear it. You needed to hear it from him. And so I asked if he could come. And I thought, how could we bless him when he comes? I thought, I know. Let's invite him in the middle of January because he pastors a church in Manhattan Beach, California. I thought, what a great gift we could give him to invite him now. So, all kidding aside, I'm thrilled uh, to introduce to you my good friend, Pastor Jason Cusick. Will you welcome him with me? So, my family is from uh, Chicago, Chicago Heights, and um, so it's great to be here for a weekend. Uh, and before I get started, let me just uh, say I am so grateful for Pastor Jeff. Um, you really have a great pastor and a great leader. I've known Jeff for a few years now, and, and uh, he is a kind man. He is a godly man. Um, he has provided me great counsel and encouragement and wisdom, and um, so very thankful for him. I know you are, too. Thank you so much, Jeff. And I think I read that exactly the way you wrote it. So definitely. I'm really happy to be here during this series on the Psalms, the songs of the soul. The Psalms are that. The Psalms are uh, the songs of faith sung by people of faith in all different places and seasons of life through thousands of years. And the Psalms are the heartbeat, the liturgy, and the songbook of the church for 2,000 years. And looking at different types of psalms uh, that can reflect where we're at at different times of life. And I want to share with you today about songs of lament. Now, as a way to get into that, I want to share with you a little kind of uh, funny and even embarrassing story uh, from me. Last fall, I was out in the morning on a morning run. It was about five o'clock in the morning. It was still dark. I'm running down the street and I hear a car behind me and the car comes up behind me and it's weaving through the road, back and forth, across all the lanes of traffic, just going back and forth on this neighborhood road that I'm on. And I'm watching it drive by, and I'm going, oh my gosh, what, what is going on with this person? Is this person drunk? Like, they're weaving throughout the road. I was, like, really concerned. I was like, man, I better call the, call the police to figure out what's going on with this guy. And then I looked further, and he threw something out of his window. And I was like, oh, no, now I really got to call the police, because I'm more concerned about littering than a DUI, apparently. Um, <laughs> So I pull up my phone while I'm running, and I happen to run up right to where uh, the thing that he threw out of the window was, and I snapped a picture of it on my phone. Here's that picture. It was a newspaper. He was delivering newspapers. That's why he was weaving back and forth on the road. This guy, I thought this guy was a mess, but he actually had a purpose. I'm going to go back to that story in a minute. When we look at the Psalms, we have different genres of Psalms. There's wisdom psalms, there's thanksgiving psalms, there's confidence psalms, there's confession psalms. You're looking at those through this series. But there's actually one genre of psalms 
that there are more of than any other kind of psalms, and they're called complaint or lament psalms. They're psalms that are written by these psalm writers who were pouring pouring out their hearts to God. They have these deep and strong emotions, at times very negative emotions, and they are complaining to God, and there's more of these psalms than any other kind of psalm. Psalm 42 starts with a, a picture of what this looks like. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. I became a follower of Jesus when I was 19 years old, and I remember the first time I read this, I had this image in my mind of a a gentle flowing stream and a very calm and serene deer standing next to that stream, a place of peace and comfort. But that's not actually what this says. The deer is not drinking from the stream. The deer is panting because there's no stream around. This psalm kind of shows us the heart of lament psalms. I want something and I'm not getting it. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Where is God? That's what some of the lament psalms say. Why do the wicked prosper? That's what some of the psalms tell us. God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? As I'm saying that, some of you might be even kind of uncomfortable with that language. It's what's written right here in the Bible, but you might have grown up in homes or in religious traditions where you were told, well, don't say those kind of things. Don't have that kind of negative talk. Don't say those things about God. That's disrespectful. But I believe God has actually given us the lament Psalms, not only as an example, but as a template for how we can be our true selves with God. To be truly emotional, to be truly human, and to be able to express all the emotions that God has given us, the positive ones and the negative ones. And I hope that this is good news because there's some of you here who are going through some really tough times right now. Health-wise, finances, relationships, maybe challenges in school, challenges at work. And God wants you to be able to be your true self with him. So what I want to do is I want to share with you three common elements in almost all the lament psalms and share with you what these common elements in the lament psalms tell us about who God is when we're going through challenging times. Here's the first one. The first thing that the lament psalms can tell us about God is that God loves our honest emotions. God loves our honest emotions. My, um, my wife and I were a little late to the game but we just finished binge-watching Downton Abbey, and we saw the movie. We have any Downton Abbey fans? Okay. So here's what I love about Downton Abbey. I love the costumes. I love the set designs. I love the characters. Here's what I hate about Downton Abbey. Um, the emotional restraint of English nobility. Um, 
every time something dramatic happens in the show, they have like no reaction at all. I remember one episode, something just awful happened in the episode. And the matriarch of the family said, well, I'm completely devastated. And I was like, you could have fooled me. Like, I, I didn't see any emotion there. Here's another thing I hate about Downton Abbey is sometimes an episode will end and it ends on like a cliffhanger, like somebody dies or war breaks out or something terrible happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do about it? How are they feeling? What's going to happen? Next episode, six months later, everything's fine. They've worked through it. Like just a time jump over their emotional processing. I was like, that doesn't happen with me. God doesn't give me a time. I wish he gave me a time jump. You know, or something bad happens in my life. I go to sleep, wake up six months later. New plot point. Where I'm over that. <laughs> but God doesn't do that. God has given us emotions to process our thoughts and feelings. Positive emotions and negative emotions. And he invites us to share those emotions with him because he created those Psalm 42, verse 4 says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. The author here in Psalm 42 is remembering how things used to be. Oh, I remember all the good times in the past, but what I'm going through isn't one of those good times. And he's saying, as I'm remembering that, I'm pouring out my soul. I'm pouring out my emotions to God, everything I'm thinking and feeling, and God is welcoming that. What are some emotions and, and thoughts and feelings that God wants us to pour out? Grief and sadness are things God wants us to share with him. Here's a line from another lament psalm, Psalm 6. I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. You ever been worn out from crying? You ever been so sad that you're exhausted? I worked as a hospital chaplain for about 10 years, and I spent a lot of time with people who were losing loved ones. And a lot of times I'd sit with them and they'd say, oh, I'm so sorry, and they would dry their dry their eyes. I said, you know, you don't have to apologize for crying. In fact, you just lost a loved one. If you were not crying, I would wonder what's going on. God created us to deeply connect with people. And when we lose those people, we grieve. That's part of God's design. Someone once told me, grief is the price we pay for loving. And so God designed us to be able to pour out our grief and our sadness. Here's another emotion God designed us to be able to give to him, anger. Sometimes we're hesitant about anger. Oh, anger is not good. Anger, anger is neutral. It can be good or bad. The New Testament says, be angry and do not sin in your anger. So we can be angry and God wants us to express those feelings, not keeping them all bottled up inside. Here's a, a quote from another lament psalm written by David. David is the author of a lot of the lament psalms. Psalm 142, he says, No one is concerned for me. No one cares for my life. He's angry. And he's lonely. And he's writing it down in the form of a psalm. Here's something kind of interesting. Um, anger 
has within it the energy of hope. We hope for something. And when that thing isn't there, we respond with frustration and anger. It's really hope bubbling up inside of us. David says, no one's concerned for me. No one cares for my life. I was looking into this a little bit because the beginning of Psalm 142 tells us that this is a psalm that David wrote while he was in the cave. Now, we believe that this is called the Cave of Adullam. And we actually know the story of David's life. It was in, it's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 22. And we read that David was on the run and he went into this cave and then the psalm tells us that he wrote this psalm while he was in there. Now, here's what's interesting. When you read 1 Samuel 22, you find out David was in the cave with his best friends. People that said, I will die for you, David. So David's in the cave with his best friends who care about him. And he writes these words. No one is concerned for me. No one cares for my life. What is he doing? David's not writing a true fact. He's expressing his true feelings. Sometimes poetry is the best way to communicate what we're deeply feeling. There's this wonderful quote by C.S. Lewis. I knew I can't speak at Chapel Street without quoting C.S. Lewis. He said, poetry most often communicates emotions, not directly, but by creating imaginatively the grounds for these emotions. So David's like, I'm feeling these real feelings. I'm going to express them by writing them down. And he uses a poetical device, a literary device called hyperbole. It's intentional exaggeration. David's not communicating the facts. He's communicating his feelings. And some of you love hyperbole. Hyperbole is your love language. Some of you love it so much. Some of you are like, I don't love hyperbole. I never use hyperbole. That's hyperbole. You're doing it right now. If you're in a relationship with someone that is hyperbolic, just understand when they're exaggerating, they're not getting hung up on the facts. They're just trying to tell you how they're feeling, right? I'm like this. I was with this like this just recently. At the end of last year, I was uh, with our team at Journey of Faith. We have a great uh, team there. And I, I was just in this moment, I was feeling all these things, and I said, man, I'm just, I'm getting all these emails from people that just hate me. And, and a couple of team members, they were like, oh my gosh, how, how, how many emails are you getting? And I was like, well, there was one, you know? And they were like, oh, so like, they said that they hate you? And I was like, well, no, but it felt like that. Sometimes when we're feeling something, we need to, we kind of overshoot, right? And we say it in very dramatic ways. If you are a person that's given to hyperbole, maybe uh, give the people around you a little warning or a disclaimer that you know that you're exaggerating. Um, my wife is wonderful at this. Just recently, she caught herself mid-sentence to give me the disclaimer, she was like, this is the worst day of my entire life. No, it isn't. I've had worse days. I'm just having a tough day, you know? <laughs> but exaggeration, it's when we're feeling something, we just got to get it out. Jesus was like this. When Jesus was dying on the cross, 
Jesus was looking for some way to communicate what he was feeling, the agony, the struggle, the pain. What did he do? He quoted a lament psalm. Psalm 22, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had a song in his head and he said, I can't find the right words. You know what? This psalm said it best. I don't believe that Jesus was separated from the Father in that moment. God is not separated from his own self. I believe in that moment he was feeling such a dissonance, such a disconnect, such a a feeling of agony and anguish that the only accurate word that he could express in that moment was abandonment, feeling forsaken. There are some of you right now or in days to come that you are going to feel abandoned by God. You're not. That's not a true fact, but it might be a true feeling. And God wants to hear about that. Here's a question I have for you. Can you honestly express your emotions to God? Maybe you struggle with expressing your emotions to God because you were never taught that. Maybe you were taught to withhold those things. Maybe you grew up in a, in a home, again, where you were more encouraged to be more emotionally reserved. Maybe you have a difficult time being in touch with your feelings. I don't know what I'm feeling. Um, if you're a parent of young boys, I want to encourage you, as early as possible, help your boys develop a feeling vocabulary. Because I think one of the problems that we have in our culture with violence is really a communication problem. We have young men, older men, and old men who don't know what they are feeling. And so the only thing they can do is be violent. We need to teach ourselves to have a rich emotional vocabulary so we can communicate what's going on inside of our souls. God loves our honest emotions. Here's the second thing lament psalms tell us about God. God can help you in your pain. God can help you in your pain. You know, almost every lament psalm has either a confession of innocence or a confession of guilt. Either the author says, "Um, God, I've gone through this thing and I've done nothing to deserve it. God, I'm struggling and it's not my fault. Or there's a confession of guilt. God, I'm going through this terrible thing in my life and here's the part that I have to play in it. Here's something I've done wrong. Here's something I have to change. When we're going through a difficult time, God wants us to examine ourselves, take a look at our lives, and then honestly evaluate ourselves with God. Allow God into that moment because God wants to help us. I was rereading this book called Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child by John Gottman. John Gottman's a psychologist and he's a researcher. Um, He's also the, the child of Holocaust survivors. And he talks about parenting, and when he describes great parents, he calls them emotion coaches. And here's what he writes. Great parents don't object to their children's displays of anger, sadness, or fear. Instead, they accept negative emotions as a fact of life. 
and they use emotional moments as opportunities for teaching kids important life lessons and building closer relationships with them. By this definition, I am not a great parent. I can think of so many times I'm like, stop crying, stop being angry, stop feeling that way. In fact, I even say it to myself, stop having these, stop having these feelings. God's not like that. God's like, you're angry? Tell me. You're sad? Tell me. You're afraid? Talk to me. God wants to emotionally coach us through those times because God wants to help us. And his help can come in a variety of forms. Sometimes when we finally open up to God, God can give to us what the New Testament calls a peace that passes all understanding. Gosh, I finally said these things to God. Whew, I feel better. I don't understand why. Sometimes when we open up to God, God will remind us of Scripture. He'll remind us of something that Jesus said, and something happens in our minds, and we go, gosh, I feel different. I feel like I had a breakthrough. Sometimes when we open up to God, we begin opening up to a trusted mentor or a friend or someone in a group or a Christian therapist, and through conversation and discussion, we end up getting helped, and it can be powerful. There's another way that God can help us too, and that's through medication. You know, God created us body and spirit. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's this interaction between body and spirit that God wants us to recognize. I have a, a pacemaker. I've had a pacemaker for 10 years. I was having a problem with the organ in my body called my heart. I went to a cardiologist. He helped me with that. If you have a problem with the organ in your body called your pancreas having to regulate insulin levels, you can go to a doctor and get help with that organ in your body. If you have a rash or some kind of infection on your skin, the organ of your body called your skin, you can go to a dermatologist and they can help you with medication. Did you know there's two organs of the human body that are directly linked with our emotions and our emotional well-being, our brain, and our thyroid. And if you're struggling emotionally, God may actually want to help you because there is a neurochemical or hormonal challenge in your body that a medication can help regulate. We have, it can be kind of a stigma in religious circles and in Christian churches, but fortunately I think we're moving in a way to overcome that stigma because as a follower of Jesus and as a student of the Bible, I believe God created us body and spirit. There's an intimate connection between those two. And sometimes what we might think is a spiritual or emotional issue might actually be an organic issue. I was talking with somebody late last year, a young woman, deep woman of faith, spirit-filled woman that has just a passion for God and passion for his word. And all of a sudden, she started having uncontrollable crying, depression, and suicidal thoughts. She sought out a prayer team. She met with some of our leaders. We went through scripture. She started seeing a counselor. Within three or four days, she went to her doctor. Her doctor ran some tests and found out that she had an inflamed thyroid. She got anti-inflammatory medication to treat her thyroid and when the swelling went down in her thyroid, 
the depression, sadness, and suicidal thoughts went away. There is a connection between the body and spirit. We need to acknowledge that. I've experienced it in my own home. I want to show you a brief little video of part of my wife's testimony where just last year we started really recognizing how God can help some of us through medication. Take a look at this video. I have a wonderful marriage. I have three beautiful children. I live in sunny Southern California, and yet I feel like I have struggled with depression for the majority of my life. It was just my norm, so I didn't know any different. Um, I was raised in a pretty chaotic home and learned how to just survive um, emotionally. There was a lot of pressure to perform. Um, I feel like I was groomed most of my life to be perfect. After I had my daughter, I realized later that I actually experienced postpartum depression. Um, I didn't know it at the time because with my other two pregnancies, I didn't have that experience and not a lot of people were talking about that event in a woman's life. People reached out to me to try to connect with me and I just didn't want to return the invitations or connect with people. I felt very, very lonely and one day, sitting at home, I clearly heard a voice say to me, you have a high threshold. And for me, that was the moment where everything became clear. I immediately felt like, oh my goodness, I need to be on medication. I've been offered this before, years ago, by my doctor, and uh, didn't really give it a try, because <laughs> I'm stubborn, and I'm Asian, and we don't like medicine. <laughs> but in that moment, it just felt like the answer, and made an appointment immediately to see the, my doctor. And for the first time in my life, after being on meds for two days, I just felt so much peace and quiet in my mind and in my heart. And I just enjoyed where I was at that moment and wasn't wishing I was somewhere else or thinking that something else would be better or my family would be better without me. I don't feel like I have all the answers to my future or what it's going to look like but I do feel very good about the changes I've seen in me so far and the impact it's had on my family. Life just feels really good right now, and I'm thankful. I want to thank my wife for sharing that. It takes a lot of courage to share a story like that. What are some ways that God wants to help you through your pain? Maybe it's spending more time in being honest with God, being open with what you're really feeling. Maybe it's been, it means getting together with some other people that have gone through or, or are going through similar struggles in a group, in a 12-step group. Maybe it means changing some things in your lifestyle, uh, how you're living, your sleep, your, your eating, uh, your rest. Um, I was reminded of the story back in the Old Testament where Elijah uh, this great prophet had just had this amazing spiritual encounter, but it really took everything out of him. And, and shortly after that, he's sitting under a tree asking God to take his life. 
And God doesn't swoop in and give him a Bible verse. God doesn't swoop in and give him advice of uh, ways that he can improve his devotional time. God says, you need to get some rest and then you need to eat. And so for some of us, it means taking care of ourselves physically because our bodies are connected to ourselves spiritually. I know for me, uh, I went through over the last um, couple of years, I realized that I had some latent um, anxiety disorder issues and obsessive compulsive issues. Um, I discovered them stepping into this new job as a lead pastor. And uh, every morning now, I read the Bible, I pray, uh, and I take an anti-anxiety medication. And that helps me focus on God, focus on Jesus's mission in the world that makes me much more present with other people. What would it look like for you? What might God be inviting you to do? Here's the third thing, uh, last thing I want to share with you about what the Lament Psalms teach us about God. God wants you to speak hope to yourself. Um, Biblical laments or complaint psalms aren't just a big dumping of negative emotions. Uh, The laments are structured in a way to move us from one place to another. There's this picture that I have of moving us from darkness to light. God's in the business of moving things from darkness to light, from crucifixion to resurrection. That's how the lament psalms are structured. Let me give you an example of what this looks like in a lament psalm. Psalm 22, that lament psalm that Jesus prayed while he was on the cross. Let me show you how it moves from darkness to light. It starts with this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can't get any worse than that. Man, can't get any darker than that. But by verse 4 and 5, the author says this, In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted in you and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. The author begins saying, I'm going to look around some other stories of people who were in bad places, and I'm going to get inspiration and hope from these people. We can get hope when we look at the stories of other people who have gone through things that we are going through. Then not only can we get inspiration and hope from their stories, we can get inspiration and hope from our story, from past experiences we had. The author says in verse 9, you brought me out of the womb, you made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. He says, let me go back in my own story and see how God delivered me. He goes back to his own birth. In that time, childbirth was a very risky thing. He said, wait a minute, God, you allowed me to enter this world. Now I'm going through a really tough time. I think you can rescue me again. And then he ends the psalm like this. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. What he's saying is, I'm going through a tough time now. But when I get through this, I'm going to get together with other people in the assembly. And I'm going to share my story. You might be going through a really, really tough time right now. And maybe nobody understands what you're going through, but God does. And God wants to turn your current struggle into your future story. He's saying, come to me, open up to me, let me help you. But it's important when you're going through the struggle to be careful what you are saying to yourself. 
I read this great book last year. It was by Brady Boyd. It's called Speak Life. And in this book, he talks about conversations we have. We have conversations with God. We have conversations with other people. We, sometimes we have conversations with our spiritual enemy. But we also have conversations with ourselves. And Brady says in the book, when I look back on the strains of negative self-talk that have arrested my progress along the way, I see how all-consuming those downward spirals were. In my healthier moments, I can see that God was there all along, beckoning me to sanity. How many of you talk to yourselves? A lot of us do. Is what you are saying to yourself what God wants to say to you? Because some of the biggest challenges we have in our life is we will speak lies to ourselves. We will say things to ourselves that are not true. You are who God says you are. And God wants to speak life into your life. And when you're going through difficult times, God wants to be with you in those moments. So what you say to yourself is important. So much so, Psalm 42, that psalm we started with, that lament psalm, look at the chorus that is repeated throughout this psalm. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The other's talking to his own soul. Talk to your soul. Speak hope to your soul. Speak the words of God to your own soul. God loves you. He loves your honest emotions. He wants to help you in your pain. And he is there with you. He wants to, you to speak hope to yourself. I want to give you an invitation. Here's an assignment for you if you, if you want to take it. Write out your own lament psalm. Use the structure of the lament psalm. Start dark, start heavy. Here's the situation I'm going through. Here's what I'm feeling. Be poetic, use metaphors, use illustrations to express your heart. And then examine yourself. Am I innocent of this? Does God want me to work on something? And then begin building hope. Appeal to other people's stories. Appeal to your own story. Go back in your own life. And then forecast in the future. Say like, when I get through this, here's what I'm going to share. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to do. The songs of lament are an invitation to be fully human with God. To be fully honest with God. God invites us into that kind of relationship. I want to pray for us right now, and then we're going to go into a, a song, give us another chance to express ourselves poetically. Um, would you close your eyes? And, and in particular, I want to pray for those of you who might be going through a really tough time right now. Gracious God, you love us more than we understand. God, in the next few moments, would you speak words of comfort and peace? Would you remind us that when we're having strong emotions, even the dark and negative ones that we ourselves might be afraid of, you're not afraid of those. And you invite us to be honest with you. Thank you for your love for us. And thank you that just as you cried out on the cross in honesty and humanity, you invite us to do the same. We thank you and we invite you into our world just like you have allowed us to be in yours. In Jesus' name, amen.